Welcome to the Favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. It's Thursday. That means it's time to enter the Thursday Thunderdome. On today's show, our special guests will compete alongside my co-host, my companion, my BFF, professional sports better, Simon Hunter in an epic test of wagers and wits that's made this show the most celebrated sports betting trivia show in history and the marvel of the Western world. Simon, that introduction gets more and more to live up to every single time we do this show. I see that you have left the beautiful beaches of Lake Tahoe and you are now back in your hovel on the East Coast. A new beginning. A reason for living. I'm just kidding. I won't sing the whole song, but England's in the finals, Chad. We've made it. It's coming home. We've done it, Chad. I am just... Listen, only one of us is allowed to sing on this podcast. I cut myself off. I didn't go full song, but I'm just so excited right now. I'm excited for you. Look, I think it was last week or the week before when you were on the podcast and we were watching England beat Germany and they scored both of their goals while we were on the show. And you, no joke, lost your marbles and had to leave the show for a second. And I was thinking about you yesterday while watching uh, the England-Denmark game. You know, we had been bought by Better Collective. They are a Danish company. We had a present, a two-hour presentation this morning for our new bosses at Better Collective. The first one that we've had for them reviewing the business, going over our future plans uh, since the acquisition. And I watched the game yesterday and I was rooting for England because I'm rooting for you and I'm a bit of an Anglophile and I just love England generally. But part of me wanted Denmark just because... I wanted my new bosses to be in as good a mood as possible when we gave our presentation about the business this morning. I don't care what even happens anymore. I, I do I do hate Italy, but not as much as I hated Germany or the French. Those are the big ones. In England, we really hate the French. We really hate the Germans. So I know it's going to happen. There's no way England beats Italy. Italy is so much better than us. I love the bookmakers. They made us favorite because they know Joe Public's going to bet England. Most people are going to bet England, but... I'm peaking right now, Chad. So I'm just going to be celebrating until the game, which we all know is going to go to penalty kicks. Harry Keane's going to hit the crossbar. He's going to miss. Italy's going to win and penalty kicks. So it's it's a hard life. It was an amazing match yesterday. Truly loved it. I'm really excited for you. I am going to be rooting for you and for all our friends across the pond uh, on the the British Isles because that's what I would like to see happen. Okay. Also, I love the Danes. Simon, your first challenger... He is a young content king. His passion for all things baseball have helped him amass a YouTube audience of almost 200,000 subscribers, which is, I'm honestly jealous of his YouTube audience. Considered the greatest South Carolina Gamecock baseball product since Jackie Bradley Jr. It's Mark Luino, AKA Giraffe Neck Mark. What's going on, buddy? What's up, everybody? Thanks for having me on. Super excited. Uh, and yes, go Gamecocks, as always. We're representing South Carolina whenever we can. I feel like your neck is not as giraffe-like as your name has sort of promised. 
when I was in my younger days, I, I filled into my body a little bit more recently. You know, when I was around 17, 18, 19, the neck seemed a little bit more elongated than it does now. Did, did you give yourself that nickname or did someone give it to you? So I was streaming on Twitch and it was under a different name at the time. It was Jubilant Gamer, which I was doing. And basically I was playing FIFA opening packs and my Twitch account got banned because one of my roommates at South Carolina came in and mooned the camera. So my Twitch account got banned and because everyone was making fun of how long my neck was at the time, like, oh, you have a giraffe neck. I was like, the best way to get these thousands of viewers back to my channel and watching after I got banned, changed the name to giraffe neck. So that's, that's where it came from. I can't believe that somebody in college mooned a live audience. That just doesn't seem college-like. Simon, your second challenger today, is one of the hardest working, longest tenured, handsomest men behind the scenes at the Action Network, also very much in front of the scenes because he would do his Saturday you know, hangover videos. His passion for the world of sports betting is eclipsed only by his passion for tasty Taylor Swift jam sessions. Our very own Jimmy Garoppolo lookalike, Danny Donahue. What's going on, buddy? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I'm not in my natural state today. I'm very clear-minded, so I can only imagine that's going to hurt me. You um, are probably, uh, you are, you mean you're not hungover, but you probably are over-caffeinated on Dunkin'. This is definitely true. It's, How many it's Dunkin' Donuts right have here. you had today? Coffees? One and a half. You want to hear something in the shocking chat? I've never drank a full cup of coffee my entire life. I've had a sip, never drank a full cup of coffee. Don't like it? I'm just, I'm British tea. I just drink tea if I'm going to drink something like that. But I was going to go through, I would love to hear what nicknames we would all have based on the internet because, I mean, he got off light. That's a nice, that's not that bad being called giraffe neck. Like <laughs> off the top of my head, just this week, someone told me I look like a potato with Down syndrome. I, I feel like I want to hear what Chad's would be. What, what would, what do people call you, Chad? <laughs> God, I don't know. I can't, I, I can't think of anything mean because I'm just not that self-critical. <laughs> you can think of it for me, Simon. Here we go. Should we play the game? Yes. Should we do it? Here's how it's played. Today, you'll answer two kinds of questions. Traditional trivia questions about sports, sports betting, and the world at large. Second, completely subjective and totally asinine open-ended questions or prompts that I alone will judge. To accumulate points, you must answer the trivia questions correctly and also convince me that your responses to those open-ended prompts are better than the responses from your opponents. Reminder, I'm rooting for Simon Hunter. Let's begin. Part one. Got a little uh, Atlanta-themed question here. Ready? In the NBA's Eastern Conference Finals, the upstart Atlanta Hawks fell to the Milwaukee Bucks, adding one more chapter to Georgia's long history of sports shortcomings. Let's look at a few recent examples. Mark, in the 2018 college football playoff national championship game, the Georgia Bulldogs blew a 13-point halftime lead. They lost to Alabama in overtime after the Crimson Tide brought in freshman Tua Tagovailoa at halftime to replace this starting quarterback, who later transferred to Oklahoma and is now a starter in the NFL. Mark, this one's for you. Okay, so that quarterback would be Jalen Hurts. Well done. I feel like Mark is going to be really good at this game. I do a lot of trivia on my channel. Granted, it's baseball, but I've got sports knowledge. I'm, I'm in the zone. I feel like he's a, he knows everything about sports. Danny, Danny, 
The 2004-2005 Atlanta Hawks finished with a record of 13-69, and 69, the worst winning percentage of any pro team in Atlanta sports history. But that team was coached by the talented Mike Woodson, and the Hawks' record would improve each of his six seasons in Atlanta. Today, Woodson is the coach of this Big Ten team, returning to his alma mater after Celtics coach Brad Stevens allegedly turned the job down. Well, thank you for throwing in that Brad Stevens hint at the end there. Yes. This would be Indiana. Indiana University. And if we're going to be singing, Indiana, oh, Indiana, Indiana, we're all for you. We will fight for the cream and crimson and the glory of old IU. I don't need to go on, but go Hoosiers. <laughs> all right, Simon. Super Bowl 51 is considered the crown jewel of Atlanta sports heartbreak. The Falcons blew a 28-3 third quarter lead before losing to the Patriots in overtime. Although some fans blame ex-coach Dan Quinn, many more have scapegoated this now-departed offensive coordinator. Kyle Shanahan, that is definitely who I blame as well. I got to say, these were the easiest first-round questions we've ever had. Here's the prompt. Letdowns have been the norm for the city of Atlanta. They've hosted NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball franchises since 1968, and in nearly 160 combined seasons, their teams have captured just a single title, the Braves' 1995 World Series. For this prompt, your job is to cast judgment on another pro sports city. If you had to select another town to endure a similar stint of endless heartbreak effective immediately, who would you choose and why? This is a good one. Oh my God, I know what I would do. Simon, you're up first. Such a layup. Thanks for letting me go first. Boston, we hate you, Boston. Everyone hates Boston. As a Philadelphia sports fan, it's just never ending heartbreak from them. I think we got them with the three, we had the 3 0 comeback against the Boston Bruins, which was legendary. We didn't win a Stanley Cup. We lost a Stanley Cup. Next year, the Bruins beat the crap out of us, and they go win a Stanley Cup. I hate I hate Boston. Luckily, we beat them in the one Super Bowl. But, yeah, if I could curse someone for the next 100 years, it has to be the people self-proclaimed title town, Boston. Boston, we all hate you. Listen, I can't disagree. It was my first instinct. It is obnoxious. It is insufferable. <laughs> it is everything that you don't want to be a part of if you are not someone who lives in the city and roots for those teams, which by the way, includes Danny Donahue, Boston native, he's up right now. So now I see why I was invited on today. So thanks again (laughs) for having me. (laughs) Um, I get it, I get it, it's an easy answer, but Chad, it's a reactive answer. It's easy to say, here's a team that's doing well, here's a city that's doing well, and, and I wanna just cast sadness on them for eternity, that's easy. I'm going to give you a proactive answer, and it might mean that I'm never allowed back on this show. Not if by you, you say Chicago, you no, no, not by you, not okay. by you, but okay. by our our lovely producer Matt Mitchell, because there is a city that's getting too good at football, and it will ruin them. If oh they get my too god! Good at football. Oh my god! I can't believe you're going to go there. There are certain things in life and sports that are just correct, and Buffalo not winning football championships, not winning Super Bowls, is correct. We need them to remain Bill's Mafia so that we can still all like them and all root for them. If they win, they're no longer Bill's Mafia. So I am taking a proactive uh, approach here. 
and saying, I want Buffalo to remain heartbroken. Wow. Wow. That is one of the meanest things that anybody <laughs> has ever said to Matt Mitchell, who is exhibiting extraordinary professionalism by not <laughs> jumping onto the podcast right now. You're the reason why I get up at four o'clock in the afternoon and pump iron until my chest is positively sick. I'm just going to come right out and say it. I hate you. I hate you forever. I will say this. I don't disagree with your logic. Years ago, before the Cubs won the World Series, a buddy of mine, his name is Rick Tellender, who is a, a prominent columnist at the Chicago Sun-Times and for years had been a senior writer at Sports Illustrated and one of the more decorated sports writers of the past 30, 40 years. Uh, he's from Chicago and he and I were talking before the Cubs won the World Series. He was like, I wouldn't mind if the Cubs never won the World Series because part of them continuing to lose is what makes them such a lovable, interesting story. And when they win the World Series, they become just another team. Now, I say this looking across my podcast studio at the W flag and the World Series ticket that I had from 2016 wouldn't trade it for the world. I want that for Matt Mitchell. I like your answer, Danny Donahue. It is evil. You delivered it with class. So I'm putting you ahead of Simon right now. I hate you. You selfish, you arrogant, and so stupid. Mark, you got some catching up. Yeah, today. so I think this is a little bit of a ricochet shot at Simon, unfortunately. I don't know what it is with the guests taking shots at the people who are a part of this, but I hate the city of Philadelphia. And I want nothing good to ever happen to any team in that city. I mean, my saying is it's a garbage city filled with garbage people. They threw snowballs at Santa Claus. They ate horse poop after they won the Super Bowl. The Eagles, their fans are deplorable. I hate that city. I feel like it's such a second rate city. It's the armpit of America. It's awful. Nothing good should ever happen in Philadelphia. They're cheesesteaks. You can get a good cheesesteak anywhere. Wow. 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 Garbage city. Second rate city. Bad cheesesteaks. Doesn't want anything good to happen. The vitriol leveled the Philadelphia on that in that answer. Simon, what do you have to say here? I mean, the guy went to school in South Carolina. He doesn't know what a real city looks like. Hmm. This is a really tough one. I loved lo I'm not a I'm not surprised that Boston and Philly are two of the three answers. Yeah. And I loved Mark's answer. I thought it was delivered with passion and energy and creativity. And I loved how he completely went after Philly and like not just the city, but the people. Like he doesn't want anything good to happen to the people in Philadelphia. Buffalo Everything you said is true, by the way, yeah, about Philly. That's also the problem. Buffalo <laughs> is such an out of the box answer and feels both thoughtful and creative. And like Danny said, proactive, it's good for the community. If Buffalo doesn't win, there's more entertainment. If Buffalo doesn't win. Also, there's that little bit of added sort of juice and poison against Matt Mitchell. I'm giving it to Danny Donahue. Let's go. I knew you'd see the, uh, I knew you'd see the, the light there. Thank you. Yeah, Chad. No, no, you did a very nice job there. Uh, part two, it pays to be number one. The Jacksonville Jaguars just signed number one overall pick Trevor Lawrence <laughs> to his rookie contract. But since a new collective bargaining agreement changed rookie contracts in 2011, these signings have been boring. So let's look back at some other more eventful contracts for number one overall picks. Simon, Trevor Lawrence's deal pales in comparison to that of this number one overall pick in 2010 with no cap on rookie contracts. Ben Bradford. You love when I do that, Chad. Let me finish reading the question because Matt Mitchell worked so hard 
on sort of giving the clues. So this quarterback named Sam Bradford signed a $76 million rookie deal worth more than double that of Trevor Lawrence, even before inflation, but he'd never live up to those lofty expectations in eight NFL seasons. He'd earn a reputation as a weak-armed, injury-prone game manager, including a stint with Simon. The Philadelphia Eagles, which you said he didn't live up to the hype. You're forgetting about his one preseason game where he threw three touchdowns in the first quarter against the Packers, which, I mean, come on, Chad. That's pretty good for August football. I, I, f- I feel like he made upwards of $150 million in his in his career in guarantees because of like one decent game in one season and someone signed him to some massive, massive guaranteed deal. But whatever, Simon, you got it. Mark... The record for the largest signing bonus ever given to a drafted pitcher was set during the 2011 Major League Baseball draft. And despite receiving an $8 million bonus, this number one overall pick has lived up to expectations. Today, 10 years later, he's moved to the American League and is tied with Jacob deGrom as the third highest paid player in baseball. That would be Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole. This is going to be an intense game. Danny, you got to score just to keep up here. Danny, the number one pick in the 2007 NFL draft was quarterback and infamous bust, Jamarcus Russell. However, his rookie contract was not the largest in his class. That distinction belonged to this number two overall pick who became arguably the greatest NFL wide out of his generation with inarguably the greatest nickname. That would be Megatron. Calvin Johnson. Woo! These are freaking all-stars on this trivia show. Nobody's missing any questions. Here's the prompt. The best part about any athlete's contract are the crazy clauses and bizarre bonuses. For example, when Manny Ramirez signed with a Japanese team at the end of his career, his contract included unlimited free sushi. And when Roy Oswalt won the deciding game of the 2005 NLCS, the Astros gave him a $200,000 bulldozer as his bonus. Now imagine you are a prized rookie signing your first deal with a pro sports team. What contract clause would you like to add to the deal? Danny, I feel like I know this answer, but give it to me. I actually don't think you do, Chad. Okay. This is a, it's a, it's a very simple one. All I want is a perfectly ripe banana delivered to me every morning. Because I eat a banana for breakfast every day, but I do my grocery shopping once a week. That means I'm buying bunches of seven and I'm buying them green because they need to last all week. So the first two days at least are green. The last two days at least are brown. I maybe get one perfect banana on like a Wednesday or something. I want every day to be that Wednesday. So just deliver me a perfectly ripe banana every morning and I'll sign with the Detroit Tigers. I don't care. I love that answer. You're more of a freak than I thought. (laughs) I agree with you about the bananas. I love bananas. I don't know about you, but I put my banana on a little bit of uh, super health bread toast with some peanut butter. Sometimes I put a little bit of cinnamon on top. In the morning, it's delicious. And um, I, again, like you, I don't like anything close to a green banana. I'd prefer a ripe to overripe banana. So I completely understand why you'd be very specific and particular about this. Very good answer, revealing so much more about yourself than I think you probably anticipated on the show. Mark, can you beat the beauty and cleanliness of that answer? 
Mine might get a little messy. It's a little more out there. It's a little more exotic. Uh, I will sign with any sports team if they could get me a pet giraffe. Now, it's also my namesake on YouTube, but it is my favorite animal. It's always been. And these guys are billionaires. They run big companies. They know people who can get me a giraffe. If you can get me a pet giraffe to live in my backyard and wherever my mansion is with my hundreds of million dollars for the contract I just signed, I will play for your miserable franchise. Even in Philadelphia, I'll play for you. Second question. When you get the pet giraffe, would you include in the contract a clause that the maintenance and upkeep of said giraffe, its habitat, et cetera, uh, is paid for by the team in perpetuity? They don't need to worry about like maintaining it. I'll hire the right people with the contract I just got to take care of my pet giraffe the proper way. I'm also going to want to feed my giraffe. I'm going to have a relationship with it. It's my favorite animal. I want to get to know it. But you get me the animal, I'm in. That is very interesting. Simon. I've actually experienced having a giraffe outside my window uh, in Africa. I woke up and they're just hanging out waiting for you to open up your window and give them food in the morning. So that if you're looking for that experience, I would be pretty cool to have a pet giraffe, especially that fact that they knock on your window to get food in the morning. I kind of misunderstood the question. I thought it had to be an actual franchise. So I love Kraft Mac and cheese. I'm a truly a child at heart. So if I could sign with the Patriots, and that was part of the clause where you just get never-ending free mac and cheese, I would sign with the Patriots, even though I hate them. They're winners, and it's free mac and cheese for life. So to me, that's a no-brainer. I would definitely go with the Patriots. I don't even know what to say to that answer. <laughs> you would sign, like, Danny's, Danny's is food-oriented, and it's so simple, and it's like, it's not even about the money. It's just about the happiness and joy of that one moment in the morning when he eats the banana. Yours is almost slovenly. Yeah, mine's weird because I like the weird ones too. I like the SpongeBob mac and cheese. I like the little pieces. It's They're more fun to eat. Can vouch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I got to say, and I know I feel badly about this. I love Danny's answer. Thank you, Chad. Thank you. And I know you're Danny, a health guy too, so I, I yeah, had a feeling I mean, the banana would, would work nicely. Some but, people don't get that that simple happiness out of the I am with you. Banana. Like, listen to me. In the morning, my mornings have become so peak precious. Like the ritual of making the stuff that I like to have in the morning, it's become so important to me. Like I'm almost upset if I have to start traveling again. So I totally get the consistency and beauty of how you want to start your day with a very specific type of food. I love it. And I love also, like, you're not asking for too much. One thing that is hard to get that will just make your life better. That's the beauty in it. Exactly. Tells me a lot about who you are, by the way. Mark, incredibly greedy and outrageous. <laughs> Simon, he's just like, he's a fucking slob. <laughs> he just wants to eat mac and cheese. So, Danny, congratulations. You now lead. You have four points. Mark has two points. Simon has two points. But we got a lot of game left. We got a lot of game left. Part three, Lord Stanley's Cup. The Stanley Cup final ended last night with the Tampa Bay Lightning beating the Montreal Canadiens 4-1 to win their second straight Stanley Cup. To celebrate, let's find out how much you guys know about the Stanley Cup itself. Danny, the Stanley Cup was originally a gift from Frederick Arthur Stanley, better known as the Lord Stanley of Preston, who served as the Governor General of Canada in the late 19th century. 
This position still exists today with governors general serving as a vice regal representative of the Canadian monarch, a royal title currently held by this person. Name any monarch you've heard of. Oh, no, I'm going to name any Canadian person I've heard of. Go ahead. Justin Trudeau. Well, you're wrong. The Canadian monarch we are referring to is also the English monarch, Queen Elizabeth II. Okay, good to know. Canada, of course, uh, once upon a time being part of the British Empire. Mark, a total of three Stanley Cups exist in the world. One is the Presentation Cup, the one awarded to the winning team on the ice. There's also a Replica Cup, which is used as a stand-in when the Presentation Cup is unavailable. But the original cup, the one originally presented by Lord Stanley and used from 1892 to 1970, is now safely stored in the vault room at the Hockey Hall of Fame, located in this city, the largest in Canada. Uh, we're going to go with Quebec. Wow. The answers have just fallen off a fucking cliff. First, Danny Donahue doesn't know about Queen Elizabeth, and now you're going with Quebec? I know nothing largest, about Canada or the hockey. The largest city in Canada? What about Toronto? Oh, yeah, that place exists. The Blue Jays haven't played there in like two years. That city is not relevant right Toronto. now. Toronto! For the record, uh, when I was a big, you know, big wig head honcho at ESPN, the Stanley Cup uh, came to ESPN one day, and I had invited it into our morning meeting, and the presenter took it out of the box. It had his gloves on. Uh, he stood it up on the table. We got to see it and look at it. And and I will say, even though I'm not a hockey guy in any way, it is a sight to behold. And it, it does give you butterflies to think about the history of the Stanley Cup. It is an incredible looking trophy to look at the engraved names. It's really um, it's really something special. Want to hear a true story? I could have I, I could have saw the Stanley Cup in person as a child. But I chose to go see Pocahontas and said. We all make our mistakes. I was eight. No, I get it. Totally get it. Um, Simon, the Stanley Cup, this is your chance to make it up. The Stanley Cup is just like us. It's not perfect. There are two famous team names misspelled on the cup. One is for the 72 Bruins with the word Boston spelled with Q's instead of O's. The second misspelling, oh, you're going to love this, is for this other East Coast team, the 1981 champions and the favorite team of your favorite Action Network employee. Thank you for the layup, Chad. The Islanders. New York Islanders spelled on the Stanley Cup for 1981. Illanders, I-L-L-A-N-D-E-R-S. <laughs> Danny, the names of 12 women appear on the Stanley Cup. The first was Marguerite Norris in 1955, who served as president for this franchise, the winners of 11 Stanley Cups, the most of any American team. Going to go with... The Red Wings. The Red Wings! Mark, you got some catching up to do. According to legend, in 1905, the Stanley Cup had a rather wet evening after the winning team, drunk on victory and also alcohol, kicked it into the canal in this city, the capital of Canada. They have a now-defunct AAA baseball franchise. Ottawa. Nothing gets by me except the largest city in Canada. No, definitely not. <laughs> Simon, two young people have experienced this Christian religious rite inside the Stanley Cup. The most recent was at the request of Red Wings player 
Thomas Holmstrom in 2008? Um, to get married with the Stanley Cup there? Mm. No. Uh, oh, religious a, right. Yeah. A, re- uh, a young person experiences oh, it. Oh, I, I got this. I, I forget the name. It's the Jewish thing, isn't it? Mm. No. no it's not the I got Jewish it. Thing. It's got to be uh, baptized, right? Boom. Baptism. Bang. Simon, I should take away a point. A, for not even knowing what the Jewish thing could be. Did you? Are you thinking like that someone got a bris? They had their foreskin cut off yeah. inside the Stanley Cup? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like they put they put the foreskin in the cup. Too Jesus much info. Christ. Jesus Christ. Can someone get this guy some fucking mac and cheese? All right. Here we go. Here's the prompt. It is hockey tradition that every player on a Stanley Cup winning team gets one day with the cup. But winning a Stanley Cup is hard, especially if you aren't a professional hockey player. So imagine if you, a regular person, were allowed one day with the Stanley Cup, what would you do? Danny, you're up first. Okay. So you thought my last answer made me a freak. Just get ready for this. (laughs) So I have one day with the Cup, but I assume I have some days beforehand to prepare for my one day with the Cup. So what I'm going to do is either buy some apple seeds or some apple trees in their infancy stage, find some land somewhere, and set up a row of apple trees. Then on my day with the cup, I'm filling it up with water, watering all these trees so that the coming fall, I have an apple orchard where people can pick apples that were blessed by Lord Stanley himself. And if you don't think that this is a cash cow, I think you're crazy. You know how they like sell the rosary beads outside the Vatican, blessed by the Pope? So these apples, you can eat them, but they're you know blessed by the Stanley Cup. The rosary things outside the Vatican, that's the Jewish thing, right? <laughs> I, believe, I believe that's right, yeah. Danny, holy shit. <laughs> you are bringing it next level today. This is outstanding. Mark, I am always rooting for our guests because they're taking their time and they're usually uh, much higher profile and bigger and more important than any of us here at the Action Network. I don't know how you're going to beat this. Yeah, I don't. I'm just going to lean into like South Carolina, just out of college. I'm going to go on a bar crawl with Lord Stanley's cup. And we're just going to fill it with a different beer from a different bar every single time and just have a really fun night. And hopefully I wake up with the cup next to me the next day. So uh, you're basically going to do the Alexander Ovechkin. Yes. I'm just going to get absolutely obliterated while drinking out of the Stanley cup. I mean, it's sweet. It's not a cash cow. No, it's not growing magic, you know, apples simon what do you got i'm right there with him i would take it to england and just do a pub crawl with it everyone in england taking drinks out of their stanley cup everyone getting a little taste of uh lord stanley in england i think that would be pretty cool over there you'd be surprised people actually do care about hockey so i think it'd be cool to bring it over there let me tell you how badly danny beat you guys on that <laughs> Not before, even close. before i even scrolled down to announce what the score is currently matt mitchell had already filled in danny winning that round Danny has five, Mark has three, Simon is three. As we go into the grand finale, here's the good news. Plays right to Mark's strengths because the topic is the home run derby. First, tell me how much you guys would like to risk. Each of you close your eyes, hold up your fingers with your wager amount. Danny, you can do up to five, Mark and Simon up to three. Here we go. One of the most popular parts of the MLB All-Star break experience is the Home Run Derby, which has been beloved by fans since 1985. Incredibly, the Derby wasn't nationally broadcast until ESPN aired it in 93, and it wouldn't be shown live until 98. But that year in 1998, 
one of the Derby's biggest potential attractions declined to participate after ESPN scheduled his team to play a late game the night before. But after pleas from Hall of Famers Joe Morgan and Frank Robinson, he'd eventually relent and would go on to win his second home run derby. And he'd go on to win the next year too. He's one of only six Hall of Famers to win a home run derby crown and remains the only player to win it three times. You're gonna name this player. Mark, please give me your answer for the record. You had three points. You've risked three points. Please give me your answer. I believe it's Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey Jr. is the right answer. Mark, you now have six points. You are in the lead. Simon, you, of course, went all in. What is your answer? Looks like we might have some overtime, boys. I put Ken Griffey Jr. See, this is why the game gets exciting. No matter how big a lead... Someone has. You get to the final round and all bets are on. Get it? (laughs) Danny, you had five. You risked three. If you get this right, you're the champion. If not, we are going to overtime. Sammy Sosa. Oh, my God. Miraculously, Mark and Simon are now tied for first. And we have to go to our overtime Answer. Are you ready? Let's do it. Matt Mitchell, do you want to take us through sudden death? Gentlemen, welcome back to the Thursday Thunderdome sudden death challenge. Because we've spent so much time discussing Canada today, here is your question. Classic prices right rules, closest without going over. What is the total population of Canada? Simon, you go first. Every time. God damn that's, you, Matt okay, Mitchell. That, that's, that's correct. I don't know. Canada, um, I'll go with 30 million. Oh, man, that's such a good guess. You're right around where I wanted to go. I'm going to go 35 million. The answer is 37.7 million. Uh, Congratulations, wow. Mark. Woo. Wow. Mark Luino. Giraffe Neck Mark is the uh, YouTube channel. He is a baseball savant and apparently a Canadian savant as well. <laughs> that was incredible, an incredible comeback for Giraffe Neck Mark, who has proven why he is such a king of all media by winning today the favorites Thursday Thunderdome edition of the podcast. Before we sign off, Here's a word from our fearless leader, Action Network CEO, Patrick Keene. I don't even know where to begin. I am very, very disappointed in each and every one of you. This company has a favoritism, and it is professionalism. All right. This has been The Favorites from the Volume Podcast Network. My thanks, my very special thanks to our guests, Danny Donahue, who revealed so much about himself today, uh, Giraffe Neck Mark Luino. Go check out his YouTube channel, talking all things baseball at Giraffe Neck Mark. Of course, I want to thank Simon Hunter as well. As a reminder, the volume is now on YouTube. We've got new clips from all the network's shows. So subscribe to the volume's YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash the volume. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and download and listen on Spotify. 
We'll see you on Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Love you.